Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted Live, a business discussion broadcast live on LinkedIn from Recognition PR's studio and later shared on platforms including YouTube, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As ever, we're kindly sponsored by Virtue BMW, which is part of Gateshead-based Virtue Motors PLC. So if you're in the market for a new, used, approved vehicle or a fleet vehicle, stop by one of the dealerships in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Malton or York. Joining me in the studio today is the Chief Executive of the Thermal Insulation Contractors Association, Marion Marsland. Also in the studio we have David Horn, co-founder of uh, Cyberwhite, is also the Chief Technology Officer, uh, which specialises in cyber security and risk mitigation. And joining me remotely is Callum Thompson, Chief Executive of Business Energy Claims. He's helping business owners reclaim thousands of pounds from missold energy deals. Thank you to all for taking part, but first let's have a look at some of the background to the economic figures of the week. Uh, the latest figures from the Office of National Statistics show that people in PAYE employment has risen with uh, 182,000 more people in work during July. Less than 5% of people are now unemployed. The same report showed vacancy figures have shot up as the economy reopens with nearly 1 million unfilled jobs, a record figure and more than double that of July 2020. And lockdowns have forced many of us to adapt to working from home. While it's not for everyone, there are clearly some that see it as a major attraction when considering applying for a role. The recruiter Reed has analysed adverts and found that 5.6% of jobs listed in July had some kind of work-from-home element. Prior to the pandemic, that figure was around 1%. So, more people are in work, more jobs are available, and many of those jobs feature more flexible working than ever before. Let's talk to our guests on Business Unmuted. Marion, let's talk to you first. Hi. The Thermal Insulation Contractors Association. I, I, what, what is it that your, your members do? So our members are um, insulation contractors for building services. People think insulation, they think roofs, walls and floors. We do everything inside the building, pipes, ducts, storage vessels. It could be a school or a hospital. It could be a refinery or a nuclear power station. And I think that when it comes to the current agenda of the environment and climate change and so on, efficiency in buildings requires that your members are busier than ever, I suppose. Yeah, um, there's an awful lot of talk about the green agenda and, uh, you know, that fits into our sector in various different ways. But construction is um, very buoyant at this moment in time and obviously suffering with some very well documented product shortages and labour shortages. Uh, I, I don't think I can talk to you a lot about working from home because, of course, your contractors can't work from home, can they? They've got to be on site. Um, we, we have 78 members and they could be multinational companies to a one-man band. Um, that means some of them do have a hybrid working policy and can work remotely. Some of our members were already working remotely in, in various different parts of their roles. And, and Tika ourselves, we employ 30 people here in Darlington. We've got four external consultants and have implemented a hybrid policy. So I think it's horses for courses, really. Right. And are you getting people back in? What is hybrid for you? Hybrid for us, um, we are we're sector skills council as well as a trade body. So here in Darlington, we have a national training centre. At any one time, we've got 250 apprentices on our books who come in day release, uh, in block release, and they'll come from the whole of the UK. So hybrid for us has meant we've reduced our five-day week into four, the same hours but compressed. Mm -hmm. um, and it means our offices are open Monday to Thursday, Friday, everybody works from home. And Monday is a hybrid day for some. Right. Um, 
That's quite sensible because you get in, particularly with the younger people who are learning, they like to meet up, to, to meet people and learn directly is important. Absolutely. We've just taken on two graduates mm. uh, very recently. Working from home for them is not attractive. They've got no work colleagues. They've got no attachment to our business. Um, but longer term, the hybrid policy would be very attractive to them once they're over that initial stage mm. and they've built a network. So but, it, it's, not, um, it's not a one size fits all. It's not a black and white. Okay, let's talk to David. Of course, in your sector, the techies have always wanted to work from home. um, But sometimes when it comes to problem solving, getting together in a room helps and you do cybersecurity. Where does it sit for you? It's an interesting one. And and I think, again, the hybrid model has already been well established within our sector, um, more so now. The, the, the problem solving, you know, we can, we can remote onto sites to do the diagnostics and, and repairs and whatever else might be required. I, I think where we're seeing a paradigm shift is that that has kind of now uh, propagated throughout the rest of the business. So uh, other functions such as marketing and sales, those elements now are working flexibly and remotely. And whereas that was only really kind of empowered to the um, technical teams historically. I took on a a new starter during the summer. And uh, when I was interviewing, virtually all of the people I interviewed were in their 20s many of whom had worked for call centres and were going out of their minds working from home. And it was the biggest driver for those people to change job. They wanted to be in an office environment, which our firm has facilitated because the, the work we're doing. Do you find that in talking to your key staff, you've encountered that kind of difficulty or have they all been very happy about it? Um, I, th- I think everyone's different. And it's not just always about the ability um, to work remotely. I think some people find it difficult to, to motivate themselves. And, and, and of course, other people don't necessarily have the environment at home. You know, they might live in a, a one-bedroom flat and if the, the partner's working from home, it, it's just impractical. So, you know, there, there are many different reasons why people might wish to to be in the office and, and you know as you well know we've just bought an office so mm. we, so we're, we're, we're very committed to offering that space as you are for people to, to sit in in a building but again how it's structured is maybe yeah. different okay let's, let's move on to Callum Thompson uh, from Business Energy Claims uh, before we talk about what Business Energy Claims does talk, talk about the kind of people who are working for you and, and are they working in the same place or are they working from home uh, yeah, we're all in the same place. Um, so there are, um, we're all back in the office now. So we returned when, you know, the government advised that um, it was safe to do so. Um, but, you know, to, to echo what has already been said, you know, there's that flexibility there. Um, some do prefer to work from home and remotely. Um, but yeah, we're, we're all back in the office now. And, you know, it's great to be back. I think, you know, in the early days, everybody was sort of, um, you know, keen on on the idea of remote working and um, obviously, technology now, use of technology has, has drastically improved with use of the likes of Zoom and Teams um, and, you know, saved a lot of cost in that respect as far as travel is concerned. But, uh, but yeah, we're, we're all back in the office now and, um, yeah, fully operational from, from here. Now, yours is a relatively new business. I'm going to ask you all this question. When it comes to recruitment in this uh, labour market, you heard me going over the data. Uh, unemployment isn't the biggest issue anymore. Actually, vacancies are. There are more vacancies than there are unemployed. Uh, and that's, well, not quite, but it's that, it's that level that it's doing 
that <laughs> almost even um what what you first Callum what what are your recruitment um uh, challenges um <clears throat> i think um to be honest we, 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 it's all around sort of finding the right people and mm. um yeah i think there is a little bit of a mix of of opinion based on those that are prepared to work from home and those that are prepared to to sort of come into the office that certainly has prevailed and um with with travel as well um so to, to be honest with you we, we don't see a, a great amount of, of, of challenge at the moment it's just around making sure that we find the right candidates and uh, the right level of experience and now i'm going to talk to david and marion about that and there's a slight difference in in that your very precise technical skills particularly cyber security and of course the kind of work you do so tell me about your recruitment issues um for us graham it, it, it is a challenge um th th there are some great skills particularly um we're, we're really well served with universities in the region um, a challenge for us is that many of the graduates head south so, mm. so trying to retain them um it, it, it is a problem and um so, so we, we, we've kind of adopted a very uh, different strategy uh, of late so rather than waiting for them to graduate and and then try and hoover them up um we're offering internships now and and that's really working well so we're capturing them in that kind of start that third year taking the year out coming to work and then hopefully shaping something that works for them and for, for people watching this video outside of where we are we're talking about northeast england where the leveling up agenda is trying to address this issue of the brain drain and yes. people leaving the region uh, and there's a lot of things happening in the region that are very positive from government relocating jobs to uh, attention to our high streets and so on um, this question about internships is very interesting uh, I offered an internship uh, this summer and made sure that the person was paid, I believe personally in paid internships, uh, not only because it's fair to the person being the intern, but it actually establishes to a young person that there is a measure of obligation. You're getting paid, you're obliged to turn up, you're obliged to do what you're asked to do. And that's part of lesson in life. Absolutely, and like you, we we, we believe in, in paying people a, a, a you know um, a, a very fair wage, and in in fact, so much so we're we're actually part of the Living Wage Foundation. Mm -hmm. So so we don't do minimum. You know, we really want to kind of capture those um, potential future employees and show them what a great place it is, and it's not just you know come here and you get the experience and, and you'll thank us for it later. That's not how we work. And I do agree it can recruit people on intern. The producer of this programme, Joss, he, he was an intern right. uh, a few years ago and now he's on an astronomical wage uh, and doing very well. Marion, what's your view on this? And um, recruitment and internships as well? Well, for, for recruitment, I'll talk on, as on behalf of our members. Yes, of course, um, the specialist trade. And I think course. construction as a whole is having the perfect storm and that's not related to any one issue. It's actually a combination of many, many things. Mm. So if you look at the statistics that have come out quite recently in construction in London, uh, where many of our members are based, 62% of European migrant labour has returned home. Mm. That's left an enormous hole at a point we're trying to do HS2, we're trying to build Hinkley Point. Um, but the other side of that perfect storm is we've kind of moved culturally, the UK, away from vocational education. M many more young people are going to university and don't see that vocational start for them who 25 years ago would have done. So we have a real perfect storm and a significant recruitment problem. Um, and very interestingly, from an apprentice recruitment point of view, our numbers here in Darlington last year, in the middle of a pandemic, what we thought was going to be a terrible year, was a record intake. 
this year, expecting another record intake, construction's just as busy, our members are really struggling to fill these vacancies. Fascinating. And, and when you see the data we've just said about job vacancies, um, but, but the, the, the interesting thing I've seen with another hat, not presenting this program on the board of the Development Corporation at uh, Tease Works in, uh, in, uh, uh, in Teesside, that's the largest industrial site in the country, by the way, folks. And a lot of people who are building and working on construction on that site have come home. They are, they are migrant workers who are from the northeast who've decided to come back home, or they may have lost their jobs in steelworks and 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 got on on the site. So there are big projects that might be soaking up apprentices as well. I think there's big projects that are that are soaking up labour, but they're soaking up experienced labour. Yes, yeah. And in terms of bringing new people, we have construction as a whole has a a very aging workforce mm. and we are struggling to attract new entrants and that problem year on year is getting worse and obviously um, having a, a cumulative effect. And it is worth pointing out to people who may be watching and parents of young people that are watching that some of these craft trades, whether it be construction or electrical or even AV in our business, they pay quite well. They're not, they're not necessarily diminished compared to a, a student who's gone to university, studied a humanities course, may not be able to earn the same salary. No, these guys are earning very significant salaries very quickly. Um, we're not talking about an eight-year apprenticeship, so the, the apprenticeship journey may be four years, but from um, a, a reasonable salary start to um, to to a very to a very generous salary mm. would be less than two and a half years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, these guys who are working offshore um, will be getting shift rotation allowances. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it it is a very well-paid, lucrative apprenticeship. Yeah, and, I, and, and one of our people we work with, Charlie Mullins, Pimlico Plumbers, he regularly talks about plumbers earning six figures. That isn't as common uh, elsewhere, but £50,000 for some of these craft skills isn't uncommon. £50,000 is not uncommon at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes I, I, look at, uh, I look at working in an office and think, I wish I'd done that, I wish I'd done that. Now, let's move on. That's very helpful, Marion. I want to talk about some other business issues that the, the, our guests are actually dealing with. And Business Energy Claims is a business established to tackle an issue that many people don't realise exists. But when you review it, it can. Callum, give us the elevator pitch of what you're doing to help businesses with their energy costs. Yeah, so we're helping businesses to recover monies through mis-selling and hidden fees by energy brokers. Um, it's been an issue for, for many years that is just continuing, you know, and perpetuating year after year. So we, um, uh, the, the market was deregulated some 25, circa 25 years ago, meaning that businesses could freely switch their energy provider. Um, and effectively what's happened is the, um, the, the regulations and the controls implemented by the suppliers have become more and more relaxed over time. Um, and so essentially there's, I mean, it's the scale of this is enormous. There's 25 billion pounds spent uh, on energy per annum across, you know, public sector and private sector businesses and charities, all of whom we're assisting. Um, and that's basically manifested itself in, in a huge issue. So um, the laws are very clear around this. Um, there's a very strong legal basis of, of claims. So, um, you know, we've had some great success over the last three years. Um, but, you know, we're, we're sort of barely scratching the surface and we're, 
we're keen to support and assist many more businesses. So give us the kind of analysis that a business owner should look at, because actually, once someone set up the standing order for the energy bill, and it's a bit like at home, you're busy, in business it's even worse, you're, you're not as preoccupied with your, your, your regular bills as you are with your, 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 your suppliers and so on. So what should a business look out for when it's considering its energy bill? Well, primarily the issue comes from um, you know energy brokers. Um, there is an awful lot of mis-selling that takes place um, within that that sector. So the vast majority of businesses do use an energy broker. There are circa three thousand energy brokers out there now, so it's a hugely saturated um, market. And um, you know, any speak to any random customer, they're generally bombarded with with sales calls from from energy brokers. So you know, the energy providers themselves now, from a business perspective, are heavily dependent on the energy brokers for their route to market. So there are a number of things to, to look out for, but, um, you know, most businesses in our experience who have used an energy broker, um, you know, are entitled to a claim. Usually it falls into um, a lack of transparency. So the energy brokers typically um, fail to disclose their commissions. So the commission is added to um, the actual unit price of energy itself. Um, and the suppliers, as I say, you know, they've they've become complicit in this over the years. They've uncapped the amount of commission. A lot of the suppliers have uncapped the amount of commission that an energy broker can add to a customer's bill. Um, and the point is, is that very rarely do the energy brokers disclose that commission. So the end result is a substantial proportion of a customer or a business's energy spend could be in the form of undisclosed fees. So, you know, our advice would, would be to um, query whether or not, you know, the, the, the broker that has been used has disclosed their fees. Um, the law is very clear that it has to be full and frank disclosure. And in addition to that, there is, you know, other elements that give rise to a claim as well. You know, our experience tells us that there's an awful lot of misrepresentations, energy brokers professing to um, be getting customers the best deal when in actual fact, you know, it's, it's simply a deal that benefits them rather than, um, you know, the, the, the client themselves because of the, the commercial arrangements that they have with the energy providers. So, as I say, the end, end result is that um, there is this enormous issue that's costing businesses billions of pounds per annum. All right, give us a, a quick indication of a case study and then I'm going to move on to another uh, business issue with David. Uh, let's just talk about, uh, say, a smaller business, maybe an office-based business rather than a manufacturer who might buy directly from an energy supplier. So an office-based business maybe a small one where the owner is busy doing their regular thing and they're just paying their 500 quid a month uh, gas and electric bill what would you what would the, the what what kind of claim could arise if their broker hadn't told them their commission well i mean there are many that i could quote but you know there's one that stands out in particular so i mentioned about how a substantial proportion of a customer's energy spend could be in the form of undisclosed commissions there's a uh, there was a hotel client that we had small hotel um whereby their unit rate for, for gas was 8.99p per kilowatt and 6p of that was in the form of commission so you know the majority of their, their energy spend was in the form of of commission so you know that that, that particular client um has a claim for for 50 you know 50 odd thousand pounds and certainly that's not an exceptional case you know as you say graham there are you know businesses operating from offices that can have cases for, for several thousands of pounds without realizing it. You know, I think most people's perception might be that claims may only be a couple of hundred pounds, but in actual fact, they're usually fairly inordinate. All right. Well, thank you for telling us about it. Of course, if you act for someone, you take a commission, don't you? That, you're transparent about that, aren't you, Colin? We are. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we are indeed. We work on a, effectively a no win, no fee basis. That's right. All right. Well, thank you very much. Stay on the line. David, I want to ask you about one other thing that can frighten people, particularly there's a lot of media about it as well, and that is ransom attacks. 
Now, you operate a really uh, very expert business in the north of England, helping companies with ransom attacks. Uh, is it more prolific? And, and talk us through a typical case. Yeah, um, I think we have seen a significant increase in, in ransomware attacks of late, Graham, particularly um, over COVID, um, where we, we have seen people impersonating government departments and, and, and trying to you know get people to click links. Um, but of course, it's not new. It, it, it's been around for, for some considerable time. Uh, an example that I can perhaps talk about uh, would, would be of a manufacturing business that we uh, were, were contacted by who were a client and they had been subject to a ransomware attack uh, and, and they contacted us as, as the, the attack was actually taking place. Uh, we, we, we got to site and, and tried to, to stop but unfortunately it was propagating across the network and in essence we just had to literally unplug everything and then try to rebuild. The, 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 the problem was that the business didn't have all of the um, IT infrastructure in terms of resilience that it might have had. And uh, as, as a result of that, restoring from the backups wasn't, uh, wasn't as effective as it might have been. What this meant was that when the ransomware demand came in, the business had a, a choice. And, and it, do we pay this or not? And, and, and of course our advice is never, never pay because ultimately you're dealing with criminals, right? And, and so even if you pay them, you've got no guarantees. The, 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 this business made a, a, a decision to, to pay the ransomware. But of course, a challenge with that is that you know, they've demanded payment in Bitcoin. You can't have a corporate Bitcoin account. So um, it's against the rules. Yeah, so, so, so the head of IT created a, a Bitcoin account um, the, 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 the amount was uh, a not insignificant £150,000. The business transferred the money to the um, head of IT who then paid the ransom. And they paid the ransom because they felt that if they didn't, that they had nothing to lose because they felt they would function for about four weeks and then they would have to shut the doors. And as an employer of perhaps over 250 staff, it was, it was a big risk. And so they felt if they didn't do it, they, they were snookered. If they did, they might be snooker, but they might not be. As it happened, um, they, they, um, the, the, the ransomware um, uh, people, the criminals, did provide the decrypt keys and uh, were then on hand, believe it or not, to support the organization in restoring everything uh, through their very efficient help desk. Like the Mafia with protection. Oh, um, unbelievable, great. And so, so not only did they support them to, to reinstate everything, they then provided advice and tried to sell a support contract to stop it from happening Crazy. again. And, and, and of course, you know, needless to say, they said no. Um, but, but the problem is some businesses would say yes and, and, and notwithstand anything, that business spent £150,000, which was a significant impact in cash flow and a number of other things just to keep on functioning. There was one last point that uh, you told me about this story before we started, and that is the way the Inland Revenue treated the poor IT guy's savings accounts. Yeah, well, because the business had made a £150,000 payment to him, um, and, and it was an undeclared income, wasn't it? And, and he paid it, and HMRC were rubbing their hands with glee. And you got so a tax inspection. Tax, yeah, absolutely. My goodness, yes. that's dreadful. Now, I, I don't think we've got time for a full explanation of what you can do to prevent uh, these kinds of ransomware attacks. They are scary. 
but I know, and I've done. I've, I've actually employed David myself to do this, and it was good value. You do a sort of friendly hack of firms, don't you, to sort of test. Um, I yeah. would advise it. it. It doesn't cost that much, but I will allow you to tell people how much it costs. No, no, it, it depends, Graham. You know, it depends on what what's being looked at, really. So, um, but you know, ultimately, we will try and find the, the, the ingress points that the criminals will get, and then we'll help you to sort them out before they get there. That is a good bit of advice to do, and uh, take take him, give him a call, and ask him how much. If you own a business, just ask him how much. It's 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 not too much money, and it it certainly helped me sleep at night. Um, well, look, Marion, thank you for coming in, You're and it's too. great to see your business doing well despite the problems that the members are facing and they're coming from a good place those problems but they're still there so hopefully you'll get the apprentices in and hopefully uh, those the the labor shortages will be able to fulfill the market thank you Kyle best of luck with your new venture Uh, keep those energy companies on their toes and uh, I'm sorry that you're going to give everyone nightmares with those ransomware stories David Horn thank you that's it for Business Unmuted today join us again soon